faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'll read that again. I think that's quite powerful. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, he persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Pray quickly. Lord, I uh, really want to pray for Mike this morning. I uh, pray that you uh, really speak to us all through him. I thank you for the blessing that Mike is in all of our lives, Lord. And just pray you make us receptive uh, and we listen to what it is he has to say. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Simon. Morning, everybody. Um, it is a great privilege to be preaching this morning, and I am excited about what God may be saying uh, to us through this series on faith, hope, and love. My name is, is Mike Nixon. Uh, I am one of the trustees here and an occasional preacher, uh, and I'm partly speaking today because the leaders are away. So we pray for them and what they're doing, but it does perhaps give us a bit more freedom. While the leaders are away, the congregation will play. In fact, I think we should do a quiz. Um, promise it will be relevant to what is going to come after. Uh, and it is Christmas after all, so why, why not? We should, we should have quizzes. So I'm going to put up um, six sets of two phrases. And thanks to my small group for helping me with, with this uh, a few weeks ago when we were thinking about this in, in general terms. And what I'm going to put up is two sets of words. And I'd like you to make a choice between the words that I've highlighted in bold in each phrase. Now, almost all of them, you may find it hard. In fact, you probably get very irritated with me because you want to say both. But this is kind of like a personality quiz, those kinds of things, if you know them. You need to pick the word that you identify with most strongly and forgive me for forcing you to do it, okay? Right, so let's, let's start. Here we go. First one, my faith is an adventure. My faith is my anchor. So you need to think of the, choose either the word adventure or anchor. So you can get your phones out if you want, just to scribble it down. I think Steve helpfully put out some pens as well. So you can, you can write down one of those two words, adventure or anchor. And sorry, you have to choose whichever one feels in your gut is right. Don't think about it too much. Just write down the one that you think is sort of the person that you are. Okay, we'll go through this quite quickly. Second one, I know who I am in God. I know who I can be in God. So choose either I am or I can be. I am or I can be. Don't think about it too much. I can stand firm on the rock 
I can fly on wings like the eagle. So you choose the rock or the wings. Rock or wings. Still with me? There is no place like home, or the world is my oyster. So home or oyster. Home or oyster. My shelter in the storm, or the wind blows where it is. So shelter or wind. Shelter or wind. And the last one. I am an imitator of Christ, or I am at peace in myself. I'm an imitator or I am at peace. Okay? I have gone through that quite quickly, so hopefully you've had a chance just to, to pick one quickly. That's the full, the full list of six. Um, and, and thank you for indulging me. We will come back to that, I promise. It is, it is actually a bit relevant to what's, what's going to come. Uh, well, you can, you can tell me afterwards if you think it's relevant, but um, that, that's my plan. So, being given a theme like faith, hope and love uh, frankly, is a bit intimidating, particularly when you know you're going through a series of sermons on the subject and you wonder what others are going to say which, which might overlap. Uh, but when I was sort of asked to preach a few weeks ago and I was sort of thinking about it, I was drawn to a, a favourite verse. And actually, this was the one that was in the, uh, the, the song that was played as the children went out. It's from a, um, a, a, a children's set of, um, of, of songs and it reflects a favourite verse of mine. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, and being certain of what we do not see. Um, it kind of sticks in my mind because of, it's one of those ch uh, songs that we played with the kids in the car, and it, it's a very irritating song, and it goes round and round, and you can't get out of your head. But I can't remember any other song on the CD, which I can't even find anymore. My, maybe it was a tape, and it sort of no longer works. Um, but this one still sticks with me, and it came back to me uh, as, as I was preparing for, for this morning. Uh, and it is good to learn scriptures, um, and, and this, this, this kind of CD does help you to do that because it plays around your head, and I think the children have now forgiven us for, for playing this CD so many times. It's a very well-chosen verse for, for, the, uh, for, the, for the CD, if you want to learn verses, because it's a, from a passage that many believers have turned to regularly when times are hard. Uh, it's a helpful focus on both the present and the future. It looks forward to what's to come, Faith is sure of what we hope for. So no matter how hard our circumstances are, there is a, a hope to sustain us that all ultimately will be, be will be well. The best is yet to come. But it also focuses on the present. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. So again, no matter how bad our circumstances are, there is more going on than it would appear. There is an unseen spiritual level that overrides what we see on the surface. We believe that God's hand is at work and there is the potential for transformation and redemption in whatever pain we're going through. We just had that illustrated beautifully through the, through the cap videos. There is potential for transformation, whatever we're going for, through. Although, of course, don't get me wrong, the potential for redemption does not mean the pain is in any way okay. And that's the, the heart, that, that theme is the heart of the book of Hebrews that this, this verse comes from. Unusually for the, for the New Testament, we don't have a clear idea who wrote it or whether it was intended even for a specific group of believers in a particular place. But it is clear that it's written for a group of Jewish Christians who were struggling. They're going through hard times. There's fierce persecution. They're being ridiculed. They've been assaulted, thrown into prison. And so inevitably, they're in danger of giving up. So the writer of the, book, of the letter to the Hebrews wants to encourage them. There is more going on in their circumstances than they might suggest. There's something better 
to come. And in chapter 11, the writer goes on to try and encourage them uh, with a whole series of stories from the Old Testament, heroes of faith. He starts right back with Abel, then Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Rahab, before referencing briefly Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, if that's how you pronounce it, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. And then he describes them into the, into the next chapter as a great cloud of witnesses and encourages the readers to run with perseverance the race marked out for, for, for them, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So it's a chapter of great encouragement, exhorting us to keep going in the faith, to persevere no matter how hard things seem to be. So it's a, lot, a chapter that lots of people have turned to when they are discouraged to find the experience, experiences of their spiritual ancestors, find in them the hope to carry on. I should make it clear that this is not all that there is to faith. Um, the writer's only exploring one aspect. Malcolm Nichols spoke a few weeks ago uh, about how the word is faith is used in the New Testament, and he suggested three main themes, three main uses. Uh, he spoke of faith as truth, so the fundamental doctrines of what we believe and the creedal statements. And then he spoke, secondly, of faith as active engagement with the Lord Jesus, so faith as trust believing that he's with us and is willing to transform our circumstances and to heal us. And then finally, he spoke of faith in the sense of belonging to the Christian family, acknowledging him as our Lord and King, accepting our citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. I think he used the word allegiance uh, in, in his sermon. So those are the three that he, he, um, he referenced. And this one is definitely, this Hebrews passage is in the second of those three. It's about faith as trust. So that's absolutely in, in, in that one. And as we explore uh, this chapter 11 further, I want to uh, explore particularly the life of Moses as an example of trusting faith. Uh, his story is told in verses 23 to 29 that, uh, that Simon read to us just a moment ago. Uh, and it is inspiring. Um, one of the aspects of the verses that I particularly enjoy is the way faith cascades through the generations in Moses' story. So in verse 23, uh, you can see that faith was expressed first in his story through his parents in protecting him from the king's edict to kill all male Hebrew infants at birth. Then in verses 24 to 28, we hear the bravery of Moses himself. And then finally in verse 29, expressed as the faith of the people that Moses was leading. So from parents to Moses through to the, to the people that he led. So it's a, an infectious faith journey from parent to child and out to community before cascading down through the generations in the other biblical heroes uh, that follow in the chapter, a cloud of witnesses. And let's look a bit more closely at um, what Moses did. Oh, too fast, sorry, slow down. Um, so clearly, you know, the writer could not be more impressed with him. He is one of the main persons he tells about in, in this story. And he speaks of him as a titan of the faith, how he refused to be known as an Egyptian, how he chose to be ill-treated rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin. He identified with the people of God. He regarded disgrace for Jesus. Are you okay? How he regarded disgrace for Jesus as of greater value than the worldly treasures of Egypt. He did not fear the king's anger, he persevered because, persevered because he could see the presence of God 
and he kept the Passover. Last night there was that uh, heavyweight championship, wasn't there? So he, he feels like a bit of a heavyweight champion of the faith in all the stories we hear. It's faith to inspire. It conquers our fears. It helps us to find our way through life. It sharpens our vision as we keep our eyes on God. It helps us depend on him. It helps us to overcome our difficulties. So it's trusting faith that can truly inspire us and transform us, our experience of life. Except that it's only half the story. Um, reading this description of Moses, we should have a very healthy dose of scepticism, to be frank. I'm not saying that the writer's making it up, but rather it is an argument or a polemic that he's, that he's giving. He's making an impassioned appeal to his readers to encourage them in time of trial. But it's not actually the whole truth. It's just part of the truth about Moses. So let's go back in the Bible a bit to the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, in which the story of Moses is told. And I want to pick it up in chapters 3 and 4 of Exodus, which is still towards the beginning of his experiences with God. And I'm going to read a short section about his experiences, um, just to remind ourselves about what... First of all, just, just need to remind ourselves about what happened before, before the reading. So as we said before, uh, Moses' parents had protected him from the killing of the Hebrew children, and he's been brought up as an Egyptian. However, he remembers his Hebrew heritage, and he goes on to kill an Egyptian slave master who he sees mistreating the Hebrew slaves. He's found out and then flees into exile where he meets a family who host him and provide him with a wife, and he builds his own family. He's acting as a shepherd uh, for his father-in-law when he has an extraordinary encounter with God. First he meets an angel and then encounters God in the burning bush. And God tells Moses that he's seen the suffering of his people in Egypt and he's going to send Moses to rescue them. And God makes all kinds of promises that he'll be with him and of the amazing wonders he will perform in Egypt. And then there are an amazing series of incredible mir miracles which help to, to bolster Moses' faith. His staff is transformed into a snake and then back again. And then God turns Moses' hand leprous and then back again he, he heals it. So it's an amazing experience of the living God, and it's one of the foundational human encounters of God that the Bible tells us about. It's a huge moment in, in the history of the Bible. So, incredible miracles, but this is what Moses says. This is his dialogue with God while all this is going on. And the first bit is from chapter 3. Moses said to God, "'Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh "'and bring the Israelites out of Egypt?' And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So that's Moses' first hesitant uh, comments. And then secondly, this is in the next chapter after the miracles have happened. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave humans being, human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. 
But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. So that's what actually happened. And it's not exactly inspiring. There's very few heavyweight championship qualities about it. He's meeting the living God in the burning bush and his reaction is, woe is me. Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Then he gets lost in, I'm too stupid. I don't know what to say. And then his excuse extends to him being incompetent. Even if I knew what to say, I'd mess it up because I'm not eloquent. And then when that doesn't just work, he just straight out resigns and refuses. Please, Lord, send someone else. What's happened to our great biblical hero? Here we find someone who's shy, timid, and insecure. He's lacking in confidence, full of self-doubt, potential leader who isn't actually very good at talking to people, someone who's scared and would much prefer to run away and let someone else do the job. Even the burning bush encounter has not been enough to inspire him, and God actually gets angry with him. Which all begs the question, which of these is the true Moses? Is he the lion or the mouse, the hero or the coward? Is he fearless or fearful, nervous or nerveless? Is he full of faith or is he full of doubt? Of course, the answer is to that question is both. Both of them are the true Moses. He's not a cardboard cutout of a superhero, but a complex human being like all of us. He struggles with what's being asked of him. He just doesn't know if he's up to it. Which brings us to the heart of what I feel these contrasting passages teach us about the life of faith as we seek to actively trust God in, dif- in difficult circumstances, which is that it isn't easy. The exhortations we give each other in the style of Hebrews 11 can be inspiring as we cheer each other on to keep going and believe that the best is yet to come. But these exhortations need to be tempered with the spirit of Exodus 3 and 4 to truly recognise the emotional cost of following God the natural self-doubt as we step out in faith, the wish that it wasn't us in this situation and someone else would just take over for us. Faith and doubt are not opposites, they're two sides of the same coin. So if you long to serve God better and are desperate to experience more of him in your life, if you're struggling in your current circumstances and long to have some hope of a way through, but it feels too painful, then you are typical of most human beings. You're complex and you're also normal. So, it's a good point to come back to the quiz that I said at the beginning, if you can find or remember the words that, uh, that you wrote down. These are the, the answers, and what I'd like you to do is write down either W or R against the relevant answer. So, if you said adventure, that's W. If you said anchor, that's R. If you said I am, that's an R. If you said can be, that's a W. If you said rock, that's R. If you said wings, that's a W. If you said home, that's R. If you said oyster, that's a W. If you said storm, that's an R. And if you said wind, that's a W. And finally, if you said imitator, that's W. And if you said peace, that's an R. They stand for roots and wings. And I'd like to suggest they reflect a key aspect of our personality and our journey with God and and of what Moses was, was struggling with. It's certainly not the only aspect of personality that's relevant. The last time I spoke at uh, YCC, I explored another feature, which is the extent to which we are uh, head or heart people, whether it's our minds or our emotions that tend to dominate our experience of God. 
Well, this other dimension, this roots and wings, I think, is also hugely important in our faith journey with God. The extent to which we're focused on an anchor or an adventure in life. The extent to which we're at peace with God or constantly want more of God. To be clear, these are both good qualities. Communities are built on the solid rock of people who are confident in who they are and are at peace in themselves. But communities are also built by people who are not satisfied with things as they are and who want to see change. So I'll be fascinated to hear how many people find themselves completely on the R side, the root side, and how many on the wing side, or how many are bang down the middle, um, which is probably the place ideally one would be. Um, you, can, you can tell me afterwards. And that battle between roots and wings is clear in Moses in the passage we read. He is flying on wings in the Hebrews version. He's brave. He's driving change. He's taking risk. He's stepping out. He's building something new. But in the Exodus passage, he is back in his roots. He has built his life in exile. He's secure in who he is. He's prudent. He's considerate. There's humility and realism about who he is and what capacity he has. He understands his limitations and his need for support. He wants assurance from God before he steps out in faith with God. Both are true aspects of Moses. From my perspective, there's no need for him to apologise about his caution or for any of us to apologise about our caution. He's being true to himself. It makes it easier for us to identify with him. It makes his bravery as the Exodus story untold more believable. I confess I am strongly a roots person. I had a colleague at work a few years ago who didn't own a passport and he was getting close to retirement age and he's never in his entire life had he been out of the country. His annual holiday was with his family, always in the same cottage in a village in the same village in, in Cornwall. It wasn't that he was scared of travel or anything like that. He just didn't seem to see the need. Uh, unusual and unadventurous as that could be for some, part of me admired him for knowing who he is, what he likes, and being confident to be himself and to be different, no matter what anyone else said. Well, now, by contrast to that, when I was a young Christian, I read uh, this book, um, Chasing the Dragon by Jackie Pullinger. I'm sure many of you will know it. It is an amazing story. And it tells of her work among drug addicts and gangs in the walled city of Hong Kong. It is an inspirational book, but aspect of it really scared me as a young Christian. Particularly at the start when she seemed to take incredible, crazy risks. She travels on a one-way ticket with almost no money to a dangerous place she doesn't know, barely knowing any people when she gets there and not having any idea even where she would stay on her first night. And so she tells this story and uh, tells the, the moment when she's standing on the boat as it arrives in Hong Kong. And she says, I found myself filled with peace. And as I recognised that this was the place God had chosen, I said, thank you. If it were me, I would not be saying thank you. It would have been, get me out of here. As a young Christian, I was inspired, but also a bit terrified that God may ask something similar of me. I would have been just like Moses, pardon your servant please send someone else. But then Jackie Pullinger is clearly way out on the wing side of this dimension, and I'm a roots person. But then God uses roots people as well. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like just to share a personal story of what's going on uh, for Anne and I in, in our lives at the moment, and it's something very explicitly we think God is calling us to in the next phase of our, our lives. For you see, we, we both speak French. That's how we met, actually. That's how we met at our university course speaking French. Um, and it has been a bit of a mystery since then 
for over the past 30 years why I ever even learnt French, apart from a way of meeting Anne, of course, but that side, um, you know, how that skill could be used for God. It's something I, I know how to do, but it's kind of just, just died away and, be, and been dormant over the past 30 years or so. But with the help of this church, we've started making connections back into France, which is a country where the church is really struggling for survival. We've been on a few prayer trips uh, and holidays, and we've met an inspirational couple who are planting a new church, and it turns out there's a run-down house right next door to where they live, which is incredibly cheap, and where, which would be helpful to them, and the project to build a new church in the town if it could be owned by a Christian couple. And we still love France, and the thought of building deep roots back into a culture that we learnt so much about in our university years, and thought, the thought of having another place we could call home, another community that we can visit over again and truly know where we can invest ourselves and our resources. Eventually we may spend months at a time there rather than weeks on a summer holiday. You see, I sense that God is using my rootedness against me. Maybe he's just calling me to have two sets of roots rather than one. It involves a lot of risk and a lot of work. Brexit's not great news, um, but it's an adventure, an adventure that works for the person that I am. In truth, the same thing happens for Moses. However timid he may appear to be in Exodus 3, there is evidence in the previous two chapters that this is a man who is uniquely qualified for the leadership role he's called to. He's used to separation. He was separated from his parents at birth and went into exile after having kill killed the Egyptian slave driver. He's uniquely qualified to lead his people into exile. He's taken serious risks to protect his people, which shows real bravery. He was brought up within the Egyptian royal family, which makes him uniquely qualified to talk to and negotiate with Pharaoh. So God knows who he is and what his potential is and will bring it out of him in the adventure he will lead him on. In truth, the lack of confidence he displays only qualifies him better because it means he will depend all the more on God on the, in the adventure to come. And this is the point, really, at which the quiz just completely breaks down. And those of you who felt irritated by me at the beginning and being forced to make a choice can feel vindicated. It's good not to be at the extremes of these personality traits. Often our preference will be influenced by our circumstances. We want secure roots when our lives are turbulent. By contrast, if our lives are well-rooted and secure, we may feel more confident to step out and take risk and fly. It's actually a great truth that those of us who are parents need to remember. One of those lines you get in parent in the greeting cards for, for parents at birth or at a significant stage in, in life with young children. It's something like uh, parents give their children two great gifts. Uh, one is roots and the other is wings. We all desire the confidence and security to know who we are and where we're from that leads to the willingness to take risk and explore. And of course, the same is true. Uh, and how much we dislike the wisdom of greeting cards it's true also uh, of God, our Father. He wants his spiritual children to be rooted in him and to fly with him, to see change in ourselves and in those around us. And there's another very encouraging aspect of the story of Moses that we haven't covered yet. I ended that reading from Exodus 4 with God getting angry with him. But the anger doesn't last very long. In fact, he makes a very practical suggestion. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite. Aaron's good at talking, and he can help Moses when he loses confidence. God will teach them both what to say. They can work together through it all. They can be fellow travellers on the journey. 
Aaron isn't even mentioned in Hebrews 11 as the writer gives a spiritual hero version of Moses' life. But when we look back to the original texts, Moses desperately needed Aaron. His companion, his fellow traveler, was crucial to the adventure to come. And the same is true of my faith adventure. Um, we walk it together, Anne and I. In fact, Anne is a wings person. She's often frustrated with the way things are and wants to see change. The story of her last few years has been one of giving stuff up. She was a French teacher, and she's given that up to set up a pregnancy crisis centre as a volunteer. And now, over time, that centre's grown, and it's become counselling for Yeovil, just next door to us now. Um, it's been a risk and an adventure as she's sought to step out in faith in these, in these projects. But her ability to do so has depended on rooted old me. Conti happy to continue plodding away in my job at Leonardo in pensions, which you could not be more rooted than doing a, a pensions job, could you? But it feeds us and clothes us. We've been fellow travellers helping each other through the journey as God calls us to step out in faith. And that sport isn't limited to husbands and wives and family. It's present too in the church community. We are citizens together of the kingdom of God and we support each other in small groups, in simple friendships, in our gatherings on Sundays and through the week. There is an opportunity for us to find the support we need in our church community to build our roots and then step out and fly in God's service. So, if the uh, musicians would like to to come back up. Um, so what? What does this all, all mean for us? It is true that the, the Bible heroes and spiritual greats of modern times can inspire us, but also they can discourage us and make us dissatisfied as we look to serve God better. Maybe the heart of stepping out in faith is to be real and to understand ourselves. We've shared this roots and wings dimension, but it's only one of many aspects of the complex creatures that we are. The story of Moses teaches us not to idolise these biblical heroes. God loved Moses and he loved him with his many failings. He worked with him as he was. There was no pretense. It just mean, meant Moses would be more dependent on God. So it follows the same true of us. He loves us and can use us as we are. And God's given us that amazing gift of our fellow travellers. We're not alone. We walk this journey together. In fact, if anything I've said has touched you, please do take advantage of the fact you're in church this morning. Speak to your fellow travellers. Talk to someone you know, or even come down to the side here. I'm sure some will be available to, to talk and pray with you. And finally, we can look forward to the adventure to come, to be amazed by what God can do through us. So let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for the example of Moses and the way you worked with him for his vulnerability and for his bravery. Help us to be like him, to be vulnerable and honest with you so that our roots go deep into you. And then, Lord, help us to find wings to serve you better and to see your kingdom come. For Jesus' sake. Amen.